Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, breaking down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Cash Farouk, 24 years old, 14 and 1, going up against Angel Aviles, 25 and 1. Now, Franco, this was the first fight on that zone card coming from London, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a close fight. I'll say that. It certainly wasn't a close fight. Now, Peruk was coming off his first career loss, and he came out looking like he meant business. You know, started fast, was working that body mercilessly, and that continued throughout the fight. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that Avilas would not fall. It was, at, at some point, it looked like Farouk was chopping down a tree that just would not fall. You know what <laughs> I mean? He kept landing and kept doing damage, but this dude just like, no, I'm staying, st- I'm staying on my feet this whole time. It was definitely the story of the fight. Now, Now, when they came out, um, this was something that later on during the ESPN card, uh, they did not have ring walks. And as you know, I'm a big fan of the ring walk and music and everything. I did think it was interesting. Uh, Farouk came out to Little Richard, have some fun tonight. And I was like, oh my God, like not only is it a cool, like really old song, but you know, he's coming out because he knows he's going to whoop this dude's ass. Uh, Then I started wondering about his choice in songs because I don't know that he was having fun. He was just had to put in so much work against Avilas. And at some point I'm thinking this guy's going to run out of gas. He's just going to get tired. And then um, Avilas is going to catch him off guard. And luckily Farouk was in great shape. Like he had great stamina and just wasn't really burning out the way that I thought he was going to. I agree. Like I, the thought crossed my mind in the ninth, this could end up being like a rope-a-dope where Mm -hmm. he gets him to empty the tank and then he just lands that one shot and, you know, Aviles walks out with the win, but that, uh, that didn't come to uh, fruition. And I started thinking about, uh, Aviles made his pro debut at 15 yeah, and then took like five years off after that. And then he lost the second fight. And then like, he was fighting like every two months after that. So, I mean, he's definitely like a veteran dude that if I had a fighter, like if I'm training a fighter and I wanted to teach him how to just keep going and to not give up, like I would show him highlights of this fight. This dude's getting his ass kicked and he still just keeps coming forward. Can't give up. But then I'm looking at his record and, you know, he's got 20 wins. And then I looked up his last three wins were against a a guy who was seven and five, uh, a guy who was 0 and three and a guy who was 10 and nine. You know, so yeah. he's, uh, he's not quite beaten world beaters, you know? I was pulling for Farouk going into the fight. And then the more I found out about Avilis, uh, he's actually from the same state as part of my family in Mexico. And so like, I, I had to Google it on the map to see how close it was. And it wasn't as close as I thought. I was like, oh, it turns out it's a really big state. Uh, he's like four hours away. But that alone right there, I was like, all right, he's trying to win me over. And then also Avilis had like flame shorts. Like, yes. It was very flavor town kind Loved of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's guy. Fieri's Mexican cousin. Uh, I'm I'm behind him now. But then the other thing was just aside from the amount of abuse, at first Farouk wasn't really connecting with a lot of power. And so, you know, I, I wasn't rooting for him as much. I'm like, come on, man, you're landing a million shots. Doesn't look like it's hurting this guy. But then as the fight wore on, Farouk seemed to get more and more power behind his shots and was right. really connecting with some monster hits. And it's still, Avilas was just taking it the exact same way. It was like, oh my God, no, this guy's just made out of steel and nothing is going to put him down. I was shocked that the fight went the distance. One of the things that bothered me throughout the night was the announcers. This fight, there was a lot of talk about the Mexican quote unquote, where they just kept talking about these broad generalizations about 
about Mexicans and usually I'm okay with a lot of that stuff because you're talking about certain styles or you're talking about certain cultural differences. But with this, it was just talking about how it, it was starting to cross over into slightly racist territory of like, oh, Mexicans are built different. It was enough that I noticed it and they kept repeating it over and over to where I kind of wanted to be like, oh, how about you guys lay off of that stuff just a little bit? Maybe it's just this guy, this individual is built different and is just tougher than other people rather than like going with the racial angle on it. Right. Now, if he didn't sound like 007 when he was saying it, would it have bothered you still? Like if Tim Bradley was saying <laughs> the same things, would it bother you? That's I'm seriously curious because yes, uh, when because... I heard it, it didn't bother me, but I'm also not Mexican. So yeah, you know, if t- actually Tim Bradley has said some stuff where I'm like, mm, we're, we're starting to get into a weird gray territory here, like lay off the guest, but he usually doesn't push it as much. Or if he does, it'll be very brief. And then he pulls back this one. They just, they just kept repeating the same things over and over. And I was kind of like, well, I don't know. We're starting to, we're starting to get into a weird territory here. Yeah. I can see what you're saying. And I'm not speaking for that dude, but it sounded like he was giving compliments just to like Mexican style boxers. Like that is kind of typical of what you'll see from a lot of the fighters from Mexico is that they don't go down. They are on their feet. They're ready to go to, go to battle, but I'm not telling you you're right or wrong, but that's just how I was hearing it as a, uh, as a lily white guy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> No, I, I do see what they were doing. And then just after a certain point, it was like almost like the generalization started getting kind of weird. They're like, you know, the Mexican fighters, you know, they're tough and they're, you know, they're taught not to go down. And, you know, they really like the green salsa over the red salsa and are really hard workers. And, you know, they're the ones taking everybody's jobs over and like, it's, I don't know if you heard those parts, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they said that stuff. All right, cool. Raymond Morataya, 10 and 0, 23 years old, versus Luis Barroso, 15 and 4, 30 years old. Now, Franco, this was the first fight I watched on that ESPN card. It was fun. Perozo came out, and I thought he won that first round. Same. You know, and I was like, this is going to be a good action-packed fight to really get the night going off. The last fight I had watched before this was was Katie Taylor. So I was like, oh, this is this this night is building up nice. You know, I just saw a great fight. Now I'm watching this great fight. And then after that first round, it kind of it kind of turned around for Murataya's way. I had him win in the second round, and then in that third round man uh when he came with that overhand right and just it was like overhand right good night you know like that's (laughs) what I was thinking. I'm like, mercy, that that dude just hurt him. I had I had it scored as well with Poroso in the first round. And then actually, I thought that he was doing better. I had him winning the fight all the way up until the third. And then he caught a couple of body shots where you could almost hear his guts just turn into slime. And then, yeah, he caught that combo in the corner that, that right came up. Like he couldn't keep his hands up because the body shots were doing so much damage. And then he caught that right to the head and that was a wrap. Now, they did say that Poroso took the fight on late notice. I think it was such late notice that he didn't even have like cool ring gear when he walked out. He just wore the Ecuadorian soccer jersey, like nice. the national team soccer jersey. He's like, oh, this is all I got. I thought he he looked good. And, you know, I understand that these fights are are set up so that you have, you know, Murataya, who's a young up and comer. He's going up against a guy who's 15 and four, but is at least going to give him some kind of a challenge. The fight went the way it was supposed to. It kind of checked off all of the boxes. Poroso didn't look like he was out of his uh, league or anything like that. It was, he looked good. And then Mm -hmm. 
and then he caught that that monster shot at the end, and that was a wrap. Yeah, I I almost saw like Barozo after he got hit in the body, like his body like accordion that way, like oh, he like he <laughs> uh, suddenly became like three inches shorter. He's like, uh oh, I'm shrinking down. I got to cover this body because that hurt really bad. Yeah. Now I will say Murataya is a good fighter. He's kind of been one of these guys that has been popping up a lot since the quarantine started, and he's kind of like a the bubble fighter. But I'm actually a bigger fan of his brother. Well, his brother is not nearly as good of a boxer that's the preschool teacher that fights every once in a while okay right and i love that there's just some random teacher because i'm a teacher so seeing another teacher just being like oh we're on quarantine you know what i think i'll uh jump on tv and and fight some dudes and win some fights he's nowhere near as talented as raymond murataya but it you know it's fun just to kind of follow along with these storylines that have been created because of the quarantine and because of you know these younger fighters i'm looking forward to seeing murataya again and seeing him continue to grow Juan Alberto Flores, 2-0, and 27 years old, versus Vegas Larfield, 1-0, 18 years old. Now, Franco, this might have been my favorite fight of the undercard. Like, this, these dudes came out like their pants were on fire. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I actually gave the first round to, to Vegas, which I love that name, by the way. Just if that's his real name and not a nickname. You know, even if that's your nickname, like, I already like you, you know? And then I gave the second round to Flores. Like, I thought... Thought it was that close of a fight just that it was great action right from the get-go you know i can't say that the defense on either side was very great but the action was great and it definitely held my attention like i wasn't blinking you know i was like this is such a fun fight and then in that third round man he just that knockout was like wow in my notes that's what i wrote down like big giant capital letters wow you know it's like <laughs> the dude's 18 like yeah imagine imagine when he grows into his power like that was really it was like a really nice appetizer you couldn't have that as your main course but this fight alone was way better than any of the fights we watched last weekend it was exciting it was fun it was definitely a lot of fun uh it was definitely all punches and no filler like there was there was nothing in between it was just pure punching like if boxing is the sweet science this was like the volcano project from second grade like this was not this was not the sweet science this was just two dudes just hammering away at each other now i actually had flores taking the first two rounds but i could see how it could be scored either way Yeah, i think they were close both of them for sure and i'm thinking man this fight there's no way this goes the distance because these two are just wailing on each other and they were connecting with power. It's not like... Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we see some fights where it's just lots of flurries, but nothing looks like it's doing damage. All of this looked like it hurt. And then all of a sudden it was a left hook that came in and put him down. But the announcers were saying that it was a straight right hand because they got everything wrong. Now, I understand people can have an off night, uh, whether it's the boxers, the announcers, the camera guy, the sound guy, because there was all sorts of mistakes on both cards as far as audio and video and stuff. But with the announcers, they kept announcing things incorrectly and then being so adamant and so 100% sure that they were right even when somebody questioned them so they're like oh it was that straight right hand that put him down and then the other uh that was tim bradley and then the other guy's like uh, are you sure he's like yes i saw it and then later on when they show the replay he's like oh i was wrong it was the left who's the left hook that put him down and i'm thinking yeah what else did you think it was like i was watching it you're closer than me like you're there in person how are you like maybe they're looking at their notes too much or maybe they're talking about you know the fights that are coming up later too much but either way this was an 
exciting fight. How could you be paying attention to anything else? So that that was starting to drive me a little bit crazy as far as like calling the fight wrong. But I can't wait to see Vegas again. But he is only 18. This is only his second pro fight. But he looks so young. Yes. Like we talk about guys having a baby face all the time. He really did have a baby face. Like he looks like a freshman in high school. He still looks so young. I am looking forward to seeing where he goes from here because if he can uh, keep traveling out of Australia and getting big fights or at least trying to get on TV, I could see him pulling down a lot of fans. I hope he keeps that uh, rat tail going too, that little pony yeah. he had going in the back. And like, he can't cut it until his first loss. Like, I think that that's how it should go. And I'd like to see him just go through his career and then like have like it down to the middle of his back. And like the one character from Street Fighter that would fight you with her hair or his yeah. hair, whatever it was. <laughs> Like, I would love to see that thing just keep growing. Yeah. They I, said it was in honor of somebody, but I didn't recognize the name. Did you? Or did you uh, catch no, that? I didn't. Yeah, I, I just, didn't. They said it was in honor of like his favorite fighter and I, I didn't hear the name. And then I'm like, well, I don't even know how to Google this. <laughs> like a uh, famous fighter rat tail. Like, how do you even search for that? Tyler Howard, 18 and 0, 26 years old versus DeAndre Leatherwood, 22 and 7, 32 years old. <laughs> I'll say probably the coolest part about this fight is Keandre's last name. Like Leatherwood sounds like a <laughs> boxer name. Like that, he's laying the leather to him. Like, oh, you know, like he's chopping wood. Like Leatherwood just sounds like a really cool boxing name for me. And then the fight started and I'm like, oh, he's not really a good boxer. Oh. You know, I the flopping that went on through this whole thing yes. um, started to infuriate where I was scoring this fight and anytime he flopped, I was just like, all right, you just lost this round in, in my head. You know, like I, I don't think that that's how you can officially score a fight. I've never checked the rules. I'm sure Adelaide Bird never has either. Um, <laughs> but anytime this dude flopped, I was just like, you know what? You lost that round in my head. I don't care what you were doing prior to it. There was one where he it just became so normal for him to flop on the ground that he actually got knocked down and the ref waved it off because he said it was a slip. He ended up losing points at the one point for uh, holding. Like he was everything about Leatherwood was he came in with a plan of just being super sloppy and hoping to to get a victory. Howard wasn't deterred from his game plan where he was just like, nope, I'm going to keep coming forward. I'm frightened on the front foot. That's that's my plan. And he did not go to a different plan because he was just, you know, he was landing some good shots. I could definitely see some skill with Howard. I could see maybe Leatherwood's got a career in acting because this boxing match wasn't for him. See, I actually thought, so there was, there was a headbutt in the second round uh, where Howard got hit over the eye and then he started bleeding. Now, they do have in the ESPN bubble two of the best cut men on the planet. And uh, so I believe he had Stitch take care of him. Uh, Stitch ran and he patched him up and then he was pretty much fine for the rest of the fight. But I actually had Leatherwood taking the first three rounds. I thought he was just faster. He was more powerful. He wasn't dictating the pace of the fight completely, but he was reacting well, getting his shots in. And I was like, wow, we might have an upset here where Howard is 18 and 0 and is supposed to be the young up and comer. Maybe Leatherwood's going to pull off an upset and then and then at the end of the third <laughs> that's when the first of the flops happened and i thought it looked so weird but i gave him the benefit of the doubt basically leatherwood overextended and missed and then he just flopped like he flopped the way that like when you get home from drinking too much and you go to get to bed and you can see the bed within shooting distance and your body just goes completely completely limp and you just like flop into the bed face first yeah. that's how he went down into the into the mat yeah he looked like a peaceful protest that like would not move you know like when the <laughs> cops got to drag him away 
and they're just the dead weight. Like that's exactly what he was looking like on that one. Well, I, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then he took another flop in the fourth. And then he took another flop in the fourth, like 10 seconds later. And each time he did it, it was kind of like he was tired. You could see that all of a sudden he was tired. He had run out of gas, mm -hmm. but he was taking the flops almost like as if though he were trying to buy time, which is a weird way to buy time. Usually you do that by holding, which he was also doing all of a sudden. Leatherwood kept holding on to Howard to the point where they took a point from him. Uh, I forget which round it was in. In the sixth. Yeah. He, they finally took a, a point away after like a million warnings to stop with the holding. Howard wasn't helping a ton where he just kept doing the exact same thing each time and it would end up leading to the hold. And so the fight became very boring. And then those flops kept happening. There was a fourth flop in like the seventh. After a while, and this really bothered me, they're knockdowns because on some of them, while you don't catch the punch as you're going down, there was one where he caught a body, a body shot right to the stomach. And then about three three seconds later, like he went in for the hold and then he fell to the ground. Who's to say that that body shot isn't what caused it? Absolutely. Like they just kept not counting these knockdowns. Finally they did, but it was, it was kind of ridiculous. I feel like maybe the ref let this one get away from him. I don't know. It's, I've never seen anything like this where somebody, how many flops did he have? Five, six? There was a lot. It was, it was getting beyond frustrating. I'm like, just keep your feet, dude. If not, just and, fall down. You know, like don't have it be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I slipped again. You know, like, keep your feet. They, they weren't slippages. They weren't that he was tripping or anything like that. Like, he just completely turned into a lump. Like, he would just right. go completely limp and just fall face first to the ground. And it looked so ridiculous. Like, it just mm -hmm. looked silly. Yeah, like a three-year-old having a tantrum. Yeah. That's the kind of lump <laughs> that he fell at. It was, yeah, this wasn't the fight of the night. I certainly hope to see Howard fight again. And um, I hope this was the last I see Leatherwood. So, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Joshua Greer, 22, 2, and 1, 26 years old, versus Edwin Rodriguez, 11, 5, and 1, 27 years old. Well, Franco, this was a fight I was looking forward to on the card because I am a Joshua Greer fan. I was never a huge fan of the Nine Night and the Pillow and all that, mm. but sometimes Sizzle will sell the fight. So I'm not begrudging any dude for you know trying to raise his paydays. I get that 100%. But when you lose and you bring out the pillow and all that, it just makes you look even sillier. So I was glad that, that was, this was gone for this fight, but I was definitely rooting Greer in this one as a kid from the South Side of Chicago. Yep. You know, you teach on the South Side of Chicago. I grew up on the South Side of Chicago. Like this was a hometown kid in my eyes. And I was like, I want to, I want to see this dude win. It ended up a draw. I mean, we can spoil alert. It ended up a draw. Yeah. But even with me rooting for Greer, I saw it a draw. I can't, I couldn't have seen this going another way. And Greer looked like shocked, like he was robbed or something at the end of it. And he went through this kind of whole fight, like, like he was just fighting some, you know, veteran nobody that this was a tune-up fight. And he kept the action and it almost looked like he was treating it like a tune-up fight mm -hmm. where, you know what, nobody told Rodriguez that because he came out fighting his ass off. I mean, the, the punch stats at the end don't always tell the story, but at the end of it, it was like a seven punch difference in the fight. Draw was absolutely the right call on this fight. I I completely agree. I had it scored as a draw as well. One of the ESPN analysts had it 77-75 uh, in 
favor of Greer. My um, name's Ward. Yeah, and then Adelaide Bird, your favorite judge on the planet, she had it 77-75 in favor of Rodriguez. And then everybody else, myself included, had it 76-76. I could see some of the rounds were so close that I could see how it could be, you know, one round swinging one way or the other way for a guy. So I can't say that the scores were completely wrong. I was definitely also pulling for Greer. We're from the South side. He's from the South side. Both of these guys, however, when they came out in the first round, they were wound so tight. Like both of them looked so on edge and punching so hard and moving so quick. I don't, I don't think it was nerves, but they both looked like they were on edge as it, as it went on each round. I was like, man, this is, this is just a really close fight, but I understood that Greer was the favored guy here and that Rodriguez is 11 and five and should probably be taking the L. But like you said, nobody told Rodriguez and man, did he step up. He looked so good and so powerful at the beginning of the fight. He did start to kind of run out of gas towards the end. I had the beginning of the fight going to Rodriguez and then Greer really turned it on in the sixth. Like he just started dropping these hard inside shots and and working the body. And I was thinking, man, if he would have done that a little bit earlier, he probably would have worn down Rodriguez. But I mean, I can't really fault him for it too much. It's just that both guys were good. Now I understand, you know, one guy is the favorite and the other guy is there to get beat up, but that's why we have the fights, right? Like you're there to see an underdog try and rise up and Rodriguez definitely rose up. Terry Harper, 10 0 and 1, 24 years old, versus Katarina Tanders, 13 and 0, 32 years old. This was a fun fight. Yeah. As long as you're not a Tanders fan, I guess. Um, <laughs> because Harper didn't look great in her last fight, but she definitely looked dominant in this one. She came out throwing and was kind of able to do what she wanted throughout the fight. I think the most fun for me in this fight was every time they kept saying Katarina Tanders in the fight, I, I kept hearing Colonel Tanders. So <laughs> I was like, this girl is Colonel Tanders for the rest of my life anyway. <laughs> But she wasn't chicken. Uh, if you like that uh, little fun, uh, because she tried to hang in there. But I think I gave her one round, but it was, I think, because I was trying to give her a round just because she had some heart. In the ninth, when they when they stopped it, it, it really looked like Tanders was ready to take a knee at that one point. But she's like, nope, this is my title shot. I'm not taking a knee. I can grit it out a little longer. And then the ref was like, no, you can't. You, yeah. I'm, I'm saving you from yourself because she was done. I really liked this fight. One of the things that I also appreciated, I think I kind of mentioned it before, but the DAZN card, they really went all out as far as like introducing the fighters. And then later on when I saw the ESPN card, uh, the, or at least the ESPN Plus card, they were not doing all the bells and whistles. It was just, they were going straight into the fight. I did appreciate, you know, Harper coming out with playing Alicia Keys and, and Tanders came out with like Viking music blasting. It was like cool Norwegian chanting. And I don't, it, it got me more excited for the fight. And then once the fight started like you said harper just completely dominated tanders had a couple of good exchanges and would try to adjust her fight and then harper just had an answer for everything like anything that tanders tried to do harper had like she already had it figured out and it was kind of cool to see her adjusting so quickly but also one of the things i was most impressed with you know a lot of times especially you get into like some of the more toxic areas of social media and you'll see dudes you know they jump in and they start crapping on on women's boxing or just anything having to do with women but then they'll watch two little 104 pound guys go at it and be like, oh yeah, well look at that. Like right now, one of the best pound for pound fighters is Inouye. And that dude 
weighs what I did when I was in high school, when I was a teenager. You know what I mean? These women though, were connecting with such power and both of them were just ripped. Like they were both in amazing shape. When they would bring their gloves up, you could see their biceps and, and their arms just rippling these chicks were out there looking to do some damage. Now, while I do agree that Harper pretty much dominated the fight at the, in the ninth round when it was finally, uh, when it ended, I did kind of feel bad because it looked to me, and I could be wrong, like Tanders caught a headbutt to the nose. I'm not sure. There, were, there was some kind of a clash. And then after that, she didn't look the same. Okay. Do you remember what it was? There was, a, there was an accidental headbutt, but I thought it was vice versa where Harper got caught with the headbutt. So. Okay. Yeah. When like right after that happened, there was a huge body shot by Harper where you could see Tanders just the life go out of her. And that's when I thought she was going to take a knee on that body shot where I was like, oh, yeah. and then she's like, nah, I'm going to stay up for a little while longer. Something didn't look right. After the accidental clash or whatever, like she she looked a little bit dazed and then that was just kind of the icing on the cake where when she caught that body shot, she's like, oh, I'm peeing blood for the next month. Right. But know, Harper was comfortable fighting off her front foot or backing up and countering. Like it was a good fight for Harper. She really, she really stepped up her game, you know, looked like a real champ. Now, the thing that blew my mind was after the fight, like I saw the fight and I'm thinking, oh, you know, that stinks Tanders. Maybe there was some kind of whatever, but you know, that's boxing and that's just part of it. And to be honest, Harper dominated. And then afterwards on social media, Harper tweets out, or um, actually, I think I saw it on Instagram. Eddie Hearn might've sent it out. It was an x-ray of Harper's hand. She actually broke a bone in her hand in the fourth round, meaning that she went five more rounds and still dominated with a broken hand. I couldn't even wrap my mind around that after seeing the picture and reading it and just thinking back on the fight. Holy cow, she was connecting with that much power. And one of her hands was broken. Like I turn into a little bitch when I get a paper cut. You know, I, I burnt my finger the one day and I was basically out of commission for like a week. I was like, well, I can't, I can't lift that bin. I burned my finger and I still have an owie. <laughs> Joshua Franco, 17, 1, and 2, 25 years old, versus Andrew Maloney, 21, and 1, 29 years old. This was the big rematch. Maloney's going back for his belt. He thought he was going to be taking on Joshua Franco and only Joshua Franco, but he ended up taking on Joshua Franco, the ref, and the replay official and got beaten by all of them because <laughs> I saw I saw no headbutt. The phantom headbutt will uh, be the talk of this fight, as it should be. I do love when I get to see Bob Arum pissed, but other than that, I really do think that Maloney got robbed. In the first two rounds, I had Maloney win in the fight, and then they called it before the third even started. Yeah, I was just disappointed that I wanted to see this fight go. And when you can't continue because of a punch, that's a knockout. I can't believe that this was scored a no contest. I'll take that back. I can believe because strange stuff like happens like this uh, in boxing. All the time. <laughs> but there was ways to prevent it. Like we have praised replay because they're able to get things right. Okay. This is one where everybody else on the replay saw no headbutt, but somehow they still after reviewing it, let this decision stand. It was, uh, it was incredible. I was actually most blown away by the shit show that happened after they stopped it. Replay isn't that difficult of a thing. And so then they start talking about it and they're like, the, the announcers, I felt like they were kind of exaggerating a little bit where they would replay some of the punches and they're like, look, 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 there's no swelling in his eye. Pop, pop, pop. Oh, look, his eye is swollen now. And I'm thinking, actually, it did look kind of swollen right before. Like, I don't know what you're looking at. And they kept doing this where they're like showing different chunks of the fight and they're showing different parts. The round is only three minutes. 
You could very easily just play the whole round. They could have played the whole round 10 times in the time that it took them. It was like half an hour, Fritz. Yeah, it was over 26 minutes delay. And they there was only two rounds. You can go through and watch that whole thing pretty quick, even if you're breaking it down frame by frame. There was I I didn't see a headbutt. Now it's the future. I don't know if you know that. So I was able to pause my TV, something that would have been unheard of when I was younger, but I paused it and I rewound it because I got so annoyed with these just dumb replays where I'm like, you know, I feel like they're trying to feed some kind of narrative. It felt like all of a sudden I was watching Fox News and I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my own research. And so I rewound the fight and I I rewatched the the fight with the sound because when they kept showing the replays, there was no sound. And you hear the ref point out like, oh, that was an accidental headbutt. And oh, right here, that was, this happened. Uh, I actually saw two different headbutts. Here's the problem. They were weren't that significant. They were small little, just, you know, slight clashes of the head compared to the ridiculously hard jabs that Maloney was throwing and connecting directly on the eye that swelled up. He also threw like a million jabs in that first round. Like that's going to make his eyes swell up way more than the slight kind of a headbutt, but not really. And, you know, aside from them taking forever to make a decision, I had to keep going back and forth because I'm like, you know, I feel like the information that they're feeding me on the live feed isn't helping at all. So then when they they finally did make their decision, it was a headbutt and they're going with it. It made it feel even more ridiculous because they had been kind of working towards that angle to begin with, where if maybe they would have broken it down a little bit less one-sided with their analysis and maybe actually just tried to find what actually happened, maybe it wouldn't have felt so dirty. But after going back and forth and then seeing that slight bump compared to the monster jabs, I was definitely on Maloney's side with this. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It makes boxing look bad. And then even worse, this was after they switched over from ESPN Plus to regular ESPN. So now you've got the casual viewers watching and right away their first thought is, oh, this is why I don't watch boxing anymore because of dumb shit like this. Like in professional wrestling, which I still love, uh, You're, you're expected to see dumb shit. Like that's part of the storyline. Boxing has no place for this, even less when you have instant replay and you have those cameras for them to look back at. Terrence Crawford, 36 and 0, 33 years old versus Kel Brook, 39 and 2, 34 years old. <laughs> Now, the whole time this fight had been talked about, I was really hoping for a good fight. And early on, it turned out that it, it was going to be a good fight. There was some Matrix kind of stuff going on there <laughs> where both dudes were able to just duck shots. I was like, wow, these guys are not just punchers. Like, they can they can move. It was really a good, like, couple rounds going into it. Then then that punch happened. <laughs> you know, like, Brooke wasn't sure where he was. He's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I want to fly this plane you know like, <laughs> like i don't think he was answering the questions that were being asked also i'll say this on that knockdown like that ref's got to get in there quicker because i don't blame crawford for continuing on like he's still on his feet you keep firing away but clearly was held up by the ropes you know i don't know i think the ref i don't know if you saw it from the one angle when when crawford connected that right hook brooke flew at the ref like the ref had to like dive out of the way he was probably just still trying to get his footing under him to get back over there to because he literally had to dive out of the way so that both of them wouldn't just go flying through the ropes and into mm-hmm. the first row uh i thought it was a really fun beginning both guys looked so good they came out finally espn 
Ben decided to throw on the uh, the big show and the lights went out and they had thunder and lightning and the thunder and lightning went on long enough that I was legit waiting for the Undertaker's music to hit because mm-hmm. that's like almost the same thing. I'm like, oh my God, if he comes out dressed like the Undertaker, I am going to crap my pants. And then instead, uh, Brooke came out to Kanye which eh, at least it was old Kanye. So I was okay with that. And then Crawford came out to Shaka Khan with nobody does it better. And I, I was so behind Crawford at that point. And I, I, I was just looking for a good fight going into it. And then once he came out to Shaka Khan, I was like, I want to see Crawford just murder this dude. Yeah. But I actually had Brooke taking the first couple rounds. I gave the third to Crawford. And then that at that point, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be a great, they're just going to beat the hell out of each other. And it's going to end up being a great fight. Like this is going to drag on and it's just going to be who, can outlast the other guy and then Crawford came out of nowhere with that shot and if you see nothing else from this fight I'm sure you're going to see this clip played over and over he legit didn't know where he was like he didn't ask about a plane but he did he was like I don't know if you heard him afterwards he's like wait what happened though no 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 but what happened he didn't remember what the hell happened to him he got his his whole brain got rocked but it was a spectacular knockout but that's what you want to see right? Crawford Mm -hmm. is, in some people's opinion, not mine, the best pound for pound fighter. And to see him just connect with such force, it was almost like as if though he sold his soul to the devil and and the deal, you know, the devil always plays some kind of a trick. And he's like, but you can only land one monster punch. And the rest of the time, it'll be nothing. And so, yeah, when that one monster punch came up, it was like, holy shit, like I felt it. I don't know about Mm -hmm. you, but I thought it was a beautiful yeah. knockout. It was a great knockout. I love how much ESPN loves Terrence Crawford. I, I like him a lot, but ESPN almost sounds like the neighbor that won't keep talking about their one kid. You know, he's like, all right, we get, we get it. It's great. Can you, can you talk about something else now? Because <laughs> all they talk about is, you know, how great Terrence Crawford is. And believe me, he was the unified 140. Like, he is fantastic. I'm not taking anything away from him. I just don't need ESPN to keep shoving it down my throat that he's the best ever like i'd like to see like put him in against one of the elite 147 dudes and then then i'm all for it like i definitely think he's in the conversation for pound for pound i absolutely think so but i also i don't get he's the best pound for pound like i i haven't seen that yet yeah i completely agree it's he's fun to watch i'm looking forward to seeing him again can't wait to see who they match him up with and if it's going to be a legit contender i don't know i think i was expecting more as far as the actual boxing went in those earlier rounds he didn't look bad by any means like he looked really good and the only thing was brooke was was holding his own against him as well but it was still i'm glad that it ended with such a spectacular knockout it kind of seals the deal on the quote-unquote legend of crawford and i'm looking forward to seeing it grow some more yeah because brooke is a real deal fighter like yeah i'm not taking anything away from this win because crawford just beat a real dude like i'm not saying that i'm just i already like crawford you don't need to keep shoving him down my throat you know what i mean like that uh, i think espn is selling it a little too hard i wish they would just let crawford be crawford hopefully he gets you know spence or you know hopefully he does get the spence garcia winner like that would be wonderful um, i'd be or in for that get, the, get the pacquiao fight like i i think pacquiao is he's still too a old. name but <laughs> absolutely too old like i i would see a fight a win over Porter as bigger than a win over Pacquiao at this point. I completely agree. Katie Taylor, 16 and 0, 34 years old, versus Miriam Gutierrez, 13 and 0, 37 years old. 
Michael, this was my favorite fight of the weekend. Katie okay. Kaler looked like she was shot out of the out of the corner. Like she came right at Gutierrez, like a blind dog in a meat house. You know, like she was all over. And the announcers were saying it, but I agree that I thought this might be over in the first minute of the fight. Yeah, but she was so aggressive. Yeah, like Gutierrez kept her feet. That was kind of the story of the night is that she was able to keep her feet, but she was not able to, well, except yeah. for the one knockdown. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, like she got back up and didn't look like she was hurt. Yeah. Like she was definitely, it was a legit knockdown. I'm not saying it wasn't, but at no point did Gutierrez look like she was done. Yeah. She was about to go, you know, there was no point where it's like, all right, get your cameras ready. He's going down like that. There was no, you know, style to that. But Taylor is just so fast and like, yeah. Precise, like she was able to do what she wanted when she wanted. I give I give Gutierrez all the all the credit in the world. Like they talked about her story, you know, before the fight that you know she already considered herself a winner because she had survived you know domestic abuse and made it to this world stage. And I give her all the credit in the world for uh, hanging with Katie Taylor, who I think is the pound for pound best female boxer. Ooh. And she hung with her. She she did not do well. I had it 189. At the end <laughs> I had of the it. exact same. <laughs> Right? same score but i still enjoyed the fight like kitty taylor looked like she was putting on a boxing clinic she just lands at will and dude that that left hook of hers yeah. each one of those it, she was like landing it at will and every one of those ones would have would have dropped me to a knee or knocked me on my ass and i would not have got back up i would just be like <laughs> nope that that was enough I'm, uh, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity, Katie, but uh, that left is my right way out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was super excited for this fight. I I think it paid off. You know, it was a good fight. Katie just fundamentally looked amazing. Like her footwork, you said her speed, her speed was amazing. Like it was kind of like watching Ryan Garcia or some of these guys that are even in way where they're so fast and you're just like, holy shit, like how are you, how are you moving that quick? She Her speed was great. She was super aggressive her head movement when Gutierrez would like throw a combo at her it was just she was ducking and weaving and everything was missing her she looked great I appreciated that she came out to the Alan Parsons project you know it had like that 90s Chicago Bulls kind of a vibe going I, I was looking down at her feet to see if she was wearing Jordans just to like right. complete the whole thing I appreciated Gutierrez going the distance and, and having a good fight that knocked down right at the bell in the fourth <laughs> looked brutal like right. she went flying back and and, but you said it. She hopped up right away. She just couldn't keep up. She just couldn't keep up. Uh, I had the same score as you did. I thought I thought Katie looked good. And it was fun to see her pick up the four big belts that you're so obsessed with. But most importantly, the Ring Magazine belt got placed back onto Katie. And I'm sure that's the one that, that she's most concerned with. Uh, yeah, she's she's the unified champ. She's undisputed. You know, it's nice to have that name as the undisputed. It's like Gretzky being called the great one. That name <laughs> fit him. Undisputed fits her. To a T. I can't wait to see who she fights next. I don't know uh, who else is really in the weight class ready for her. Uh, I see Clarissa Shields had some interest, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if their weights match up. I know that Shields is a champ and a hell of a boxer, but I don't know if they can make that weight work. I also do know that Amanda Serrano is a real badass and she would be a fun, fun fight, which was actually supposed to happen earlier in the year, but it got canceled due to COVID. And then they threw like a terrible number at Serrano. And she's like, well, I'm worth more than that. And I respect that. You know, you gotta, you're in this for glory, but you gotta, you gotta make your money while you can. So don't, don't take the sucker money. I do think Serrano is the one that I would want to see if she were to change weight and we saw her in McCaskill or whether it be McCaskill, but then that depends on how her rematch goes with Brecus. So yeah. we'll see. I think 
think that would be cool just to give her even more belts. Although, you know, her and Jessica have already fought before and she ended up beating uh, Jessica before, but both of them have grown as fighters. I think that would be an interesting matchup, but I do think that the next one to see that we want to see as fans would be for her to go up against Serrano. And there's a lot of trash talk between the two, not so much from Katie. She seems to kind of rise above it, but definitely from Serrano and her fans, they're all over social media just saying, oh, how about you fight Serrano? What about Serrano? Well, let, let's see it. But I also understand it's a business and you need to make your money and all of that stuff. But after a certain point, you, you got to be able to settle on something. So I think that would be a good fight for them to figure out the numbers and, and give us the fans what we want, because I think that that could be where Katie Taylor could cement her status as a legend if she were able to beat Serrano. Right. Because that, that matchup would appeal to everyone. Like Serrano, don't get me wrong, is a is a good boxer, but she also is a puncher. You know, for the size that she looks like, it's almost like I've described anyway, where you look at his size, you're like, all right, he, I'm sure he'll be able to land some power, but he looks like he lands like two, three weight classes above what he's at. You know, like that's the mm-hmm. kind of power he's bringing. Where I think the same about Serrano, like she looks like she's landing power shots, like two, three weight classes above where she's at. The last opponent I see in her fight, I forget uh, who she went, but it was like a hot knife through butter, man. It was just landing shots, and I was like, oh, adopt it. So I certainly want to see Taylor versus uh, Serrano. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment, and we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.